Coffee Zero episode 32. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Brandon Davis. My friends call me BD, and you should too. Joining today's show at the top of your screens and the top of your hearts, Chris Killian. Oh, it's so good to be back. Man, I didn't know that just to get on, I had to bug you on Twitter. <laughs> but listen, bugging me on Twitter is the only way that I, I answer tweets more than I answer text messages. That's not true for me. You know that. Well, that's fair. You ignore me on Twitter most of the time, but on text, always, right away, rapid response. I, I kind of have to ignore you. you, you you're, you're a frequent uh, communicator, and, and, and I'm, uh, I'm antisocial, so I'm sorry about that in advance. We also have Aaron Perrine on the show. What's up, guys? What's going on? Chris, you're finally back. We found you. Thanks, man. It's good to, it's good to be back. That's, I, it was just to talk to you again, Aaron. That's why I wanted to come back. We have Jenna Anderson in the house, the virtual. Hey, everybody. And uh, that's our crew today. Welcome. This is your this is your Fantastic Four on this lovely August uh, August eighteenth. So uh, we got a we have a really big show today. I'm very excited about it. We're going to run through Shang Chi reactions. Uh, I got to go to the premiere. It was amazing. We have some MCU news, and then at the end of the show, we're going to talk about today's episode of What If, the first of four Chadwick Boseman to Charles Star Lord episodes. So. Uh, much better than last week's episode is how I'm going to say to start the program. But uh, without further ado, I think we just need to dive into this Shang-Chi discussion. Welcome to the show. I got to go to the premiere. I flew out to L.A. Uh, Monday morning. I had a blast. I got to see the movie. I flew home yesterday. I'm already here at home doing this. I'm going back to L.A. tomorrow night to do in-person interviews for Shang-Chi. First in-person interviews since Bloodshot. So... What a turnaround. Uh, and so I want to share my thoughts on the movie. If you guys have any questions, feel free to drop them in the comments section. I will try to answer as many as I legally can. Uh, I don't know what the what the exact rules are on reactions versus reviews. We will never not take our opportunity to make fun of that on this show. But uh, the movie is awesome. I mean, in the first 30 to 45 minutes, I kept looking over at my friend Kirsten Akuna for, who, from Insider who came with me uh, and I was just like, I'm having a blast. This is this is just exceptionally fun. It starts with just incredible action, like romanticized kung fu. It is just the most stylish, well choreographed. It's it's. I mean, I don't want to sit here and say like this is the best action we've ever seen in the MCU because I've only seen the movie once and I just saw it and it's all new to me. But it is really it blew me away the action sequences. And it, it has so much story that it has to get to, and it gets to all of it very quickly. So I didn't have a problem with the exposition. I thought it was very well-paced. There's great humor. The characters are so interesting. I truly believe Shang-Chi could have started its own franchise outside of the MCU with just these characters in the world that it introduces. But luckily for us, it is in the MCU, and we get to explore this and see other characters cross over into it, and these characters cross into other worlds. And I, I mean, I just can't wait to see more of them. Simu Liu is amazing as as Shang-Chi. The action sequences he's a part of, you can just tell he went the extra mile to be a part of them. He took pride in all those Kung Fu sequences. Um, Manger Zhang, who plays uh, Zhai Ling, his sister, amazing. Um, like, like she kicks so much ass. Aquafina is great. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't go in like thinking Aquafina was going to be my favorite part of the film. She was right up there with everybody else. She held her own so much chemistry between the entire cast. Uh, it was awesome. And uh, it's the, the I mean, I, I, the third act gets a little crazy. I'm not going to lie. I feel like that black widow had the same problem, at least for me where uh, it gets a little almost out of hand, but uh 
Shang-Chi kind of reels it in and provides the intimate emotional moments you need for the movie to land. So it didn't take away from it. There is just awesome action and big, crazy battles that I promise you, you have no idea what's coming. This movie is more integral to the MCU than you're expecting. And the big third act battle is bigger than you're expecting, which to me took a bit away from the grounded, awesome parts of the film that I really enjoyed. But it, I mean, it's a Marvel movie, so it's going to have that big explosive finish and it delivers that. But I was excited to get back to the characters that I was really enjoying spending time with when it wasn't so battle focused. Um, and with that, I will open it up to questions. <laughs> I have so many questions, but I'm really trying to decide what to ask because I also don't want you to spoil it for me. So one of the things that I, I, I've heard repeatedly from the few people that saw it. Um, is that it's a very, very solid MCU origin story. Like, it's yeah. really good. So we've seen a lot of superhero origin stories before. So what is it about? The, is there anything that differentiates it from, like, previous origin stories we've seen and that, that very common superhero formula? Yeah, so that's, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I think it is different in how quickly we learn who he is uh, and how much fun we have learning who he is. I don't think we've seen a character have such an independent origin story in the MCU in a very long time. Uh, and the way that it is introduced is like, th this is the first time I think since 2016, since Dr. Strange that a character is having their origin story without having appeared in another movie or being teased in another movie. Like this is just straight up. We've never seen anything about Shang-Chi before. And it does such a good job of getting you up to speed, keeping the mystery about, why he is who he is and, and why he has these incredible martial arts skills and why he has these kind of connections to a larger story uh, as a driving force of the film. And it's just, it's not like Iron Man where he kind of creates the power or like the, or the superhero nature uh, as the, as the film starts, it's kind of like he accepts who he is and it's I don't I'm trying to dance around spoiling anything. It's not like it's, it's really not aside from like, obviously, Marvel does humor. They do action. They do pacing. Well, they do care like it had it checks all those boxes that you that we love from Marvel movies. Uh, but it's just the style that Dustin Daniel Cret and the director brought to this movie in the first 10 minutes. You will know that this is different from anything you've seen before in the way that it's shot, in the way the camera moves, in the way the sets are made, in the way they're designed, in the colors. It's in the language. There's a lot of subtitles in this film. A lot of subtitles. Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, cursing for a second. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, really? That's great. They are just, yeah, they love, they just. <laughs> they're just dropping F-bombs all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, I, I was just sitting there, like, this little kid next to me. I was like, cover your ears. No, no. Fun um, story. I sat next to a little kid at the first screening of Deadpool that I went to. And I was like, I don't think his mom knows that this is a rated R movie. And then I looked over and she was fine with it. And I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> you definitely not rated R. Shang-Chi is definitely not rated R. But uh, it does get darker than I thought it would. That's all I'm going to say. It gets darker than I thought it would. And I do think uh, there might be some stuff that would scare a kid in this movie. It's, it's surprising. It's a really surprising movie. It's full of surprises. And I'm not going to say more than that because I want you to be surprised and experience it yourself. 
I have more questions, but I'm going to let <laughs> go first. I'm like blanking on questions because like you said, I want to be surprised and like hearing yeah. your reaction and being so positive about it. I'm just excited to like experience it as it is. So it's like, I almost don't want to know too much. So Aaron, do you have any questions? Um, I saw casually cosplaying uh, ask, or at least ask question in the comments about a certain character that you saw on the red carpet, Brandon, that appeared <laughs> from another Marvel property. Um, I'm not going to say it. If you want to go, go to Brandon Davis's Twitter and figure that out for yourself. But was it surprising after seeing that to see them pop up in the movie? Are they are they like a real part of the movie? A very contentious part of other Marvel Studios projects that people still like to yell about on the internet? Jesus, I am dancing around this real hard. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a good dance because I yeah. understood everything you were asking there. And if anybody doesn't know, they can stay spoiler free and we'll keep it up. Uh, we'll keep speaking our Morse code here. Can I just say, me. though, that without saying the name of that character, I love that character. And if he is back, I'm so excited. And I don't know why everybody hates him because I love him. <laughs> well, listen, Chris. Uh, they confirmed they confirmed at the premiere that this person that Aaron is talking about is in the movie. So I saw this person walk by on the red carpet and I was just like, ah, I did the Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, my God, what's he doing here? Uh, and so, yeah, that person is definitely in the movie. Um, and you get you get. You get you get stuff there. That's all I like. Yeah, it's a it's there. There's stuff. There's there's definitely some stuff there. Uh, but I'll just I'll just say it, leave it at that because I see people in the comments. Some people don't want to know. Some people already know. Uh, but you can. Yeah, it's on. I mean, I posted a photo of this person from the carpet. There is news. They actively confirmed like they're not trying to keep this a secret. So uh, but out of respect to everybody here, I do get messages and stuff from people on Instagram that are like, hey, if you could keep some spoilers and leaks and stuff to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to try to honor that. Yeah. So nobody yeah. say that it's Ralph Boner. <laughs> if it was Ralph Boner, zero out of 10. <laughs> oh, so what about the end credit scene? I promised everybody on Twitter that I would bug you about the end credit scene. So that's what we're going to go. Yeah. So I, what can I, you I, tell us? everybody lost their mind because the camera pans over and then all of a sudden there he is. You see Robert Pattinson's Batman. And <laughs> it's just unbelievable. The multiverse uh, is blown wide open. No, the, the uh, I was in the, I was in the Chinese theater and the main, like uh, the, the cast and like the every, the crowded theater was the El Capitan theater, which is across the street. Uh, so my theater was, I mean, empty. Like there was not a lot of people in my theater. We were really spaced out. There was like, I would say it was maybe 25% of the theater was filled. Whereas the other one I'm pretty sure was very, very filled. Uh, So I heard that from the El Cap, it was like a deafening response. That was the quote used, I think, by somebody when they saw the first post-credit scene. I know that in my theater, there was a big pop from the audience. And that was in a mostly empty theater for one of the post-credit scenes. And the second, there, there's two post-credit scenes. They're both very good. They're both very, very good. Uh, one is certainly going to excite some people more than others, um, but they're both very, very good. They're both very good. They're not just kind of waited out for a laugh post-credit scenes. Both are purposeful. And I, I love that. Are there other characters that are not in the movie in the post-credit scene? I'd, I'm asking too much. I'm asking too Batman. much. Batman, yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay, Batman. So, Batman. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not, I, you know, I don't. people don't even want to know that. I'd be pissed if I knew that going in, but I do, I do uh, appreciate everybody asking about it. And also, I just wanted to shout out like to the people who are listening to this podcast. I was walking on air when I walked into that <laughs> premiere because at one point I heard people like yell over like BD, we love phase zero. I went over to say hello when I walked into the premiere 
everybody was complimenting our work at comicbook.com. And that was the coolest feeling ever. Like, yes, it's cool. It's obviously, it feels very cool to like have people be like, Hey, BD, we know who you are. Like, yeah, that's really cool. But also like, to me, that's such a sign that you guys are listening to our show. You're reading our content on comicbook.com. You're watching our videos on Twitter and YouTube and Instagram, the stuff Chris is doing, the stuff Jenna, Aaron, Jamie, myself, Jim are doing like the fact that you guys are responding to it all to that point. I appreciate that. Like I cannot put into words. So I did want to thank everybody who is, who was at the premiere show in love uh, and everybody who does that on social media all the time. Thank you guys for that. I was getting uh, tagged in Instagram uh, videos that people were taking of you saying that we still <laughs> love you, Chris. And that didn't sting at all. <laughs> I love that. I love tell Chris, tell Chris, you love me guys. <laughs> all right. We are going to move on to the news and we're going to keep with Shang-Chi for a minute here because it has been it has been a weird touchy subject uh within the marvel and disney family and it, it's getting kind of first of all i do want to say the whole movie is available in imax the whole movie is an imax format i saw it that way imax confirmed it on twitter if you can see it in imax highly recommend um but also this there's we i mean i don't know what's going on with marvel and disney lately um bob chapek was on a call talking about whether or not movies would go to theaters or to Disney plus and said this quote on free guy. Obviously this is a title that we acquired under a different distribution assumption and a set of agreements. And so we don't have the degree of freedom to do that. Meaning put it on Disney plus. And he said on Shang-Chi, we actually think it's going to be an interesting experiment for us because it's got only a 45 day window for us the prospect of being able to take a Marvel title to the service after going theatrical for 45 days will be yet another data point to inform our actions going forward on our titles. Simu Liu then later responded and said in a tweet and on Instagram with pictures of himself and the cast, we are not an experiment. We are the underdog, the underestimated. We are ceiling breakers. We are the celebration of culture and joy that will persevere after an embattled year. We are the surprise. I'm fired the F (laughs) up. To make history on September 3rd, join us, only he didn't say F. Is that language we were talking about? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's peppered in throughout the whole movie. And then Kevin Feige, of course, was asked at the premiere by THR about this, about Simu Liu essentially kind of responding to Disney CEO Bob Chapek and clearly showing there's a bit of a divide there or seemingly showing there's a bit of a divide. And Feige said he is not a shy man in reference to Simu. I think that particular tweet you can see, and I think everyone does, a misunderstanding. It was not the intention. The proof is in the movie, and we swing for the fences as we always do. With the amount of creative energy we put in and the budget, there's no expense spared to bring this origin story to the screen. My initial reaction is I do hope this is actually a misunderstanding. I don't think I, – I hope that this is not Bob Chapek saying that this movie representing Asian culture is an experiment. Um I think I heard that word about guardians of the galaxy before as well, like years ago, but it is just a weird way to talk about a movie that you need to succeed and that you want people to root for. So I understand Simu Liu's reaction fully. And I feel like I've I've watched a lot of Simu Liu on Instagram live. I've tweeted back and forth with him. I haven't met him in person yet. Uh, I've, I've, I've asked him on Instagram live, like what, how much fun he's having. And he got very real one time. And he said like, this came with a lot of pressure and reactions that he didn't expect and he wasn't kind of prepared for. I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember the exact words. So I feel like he's kind of feeling it and I get it. 
Like if I was Simu Liu, I'd be thrilled to be in Shang-Chi. I'd be thrilled to be in the MCU. I'd be frustrated with all the just crap I have to deal with on social media that isn't even warranted. And I'd be frustrated that my movie is releasing at a time where inevitably people are going to be like, it didn't succeed at the box office because it's not going to make what it would have. Fact. It's a very good movie. See, that's what I, I mean, maybe I'm just a little out of the loop, but when I read that quote initially, I thought that the experiment was in reference to how it's going to do in theaters with COVID. That's all I thought it was, you know, about. I I, I think it's, I I hope that that's what Bob Chapek meant, that it was like, yes, this is an experiment in the sense of like first 45 day window for a Marvel movie. But I, I see, but I definitely see what Simu, how Simu took it. Jenna, you, you have thoughts. I like I was listening to the call and like when Shafik said this, I just like I was just like, oh my God, the secondhand embarrassment I am feeling from the choice of words that he used. It was just kind of like, I, I agree with Chris. I think it is a thing where he was specifically talking about the release strategy, but to use that kind of terminology with this movie that is so unprecedented and is groundbreaking in the representation that it brings, that that is kind of a bad look in and of itself. Um, I like, I agree with what Brandon said. I think like, I feel bad for Simu and the, the like circumstances of which this movie is coming out because I know it is going to do well, but it isn't going to do the amount that it could have. And I almost wonder like if it were to get a like hybrid release on Disney plus, I feel like the conversation around it would be so much bigger because like I, I figured out what 45 days is from that. And it's like mid October. And I feel like by the time this movie is available on VOD or is on Disney plus, I feel like the conversation is going to kind of be gone and a lot of people are going to be done talking about it. And a lot of the spoilers are going to come out and stuff. And so it kind of sucks that this movie that could be this like huge collective like experience of everyone experiencing it, I feel like it's going to be kind of segmented because of how people are watching it. So I feel like that's kind of a bummer. So I get his frustration. I get all of the awkwardness around this whole controversy because it is just so weird in and of itself. Totally agree. Aaron, what do you think of this? Um, I, I completely understand where everybody's making their points and it's very, very well articulated, well argued. Um, for, for Simu, I think about, um, what was it, like a couple, like a month ago, he said that they, like, someone asked him, I think it was Hollywood reporter asked him like, who's the person in the MCU who told you, like who gave you the best advice on coming into this whole thing. And he said, Tom Hiddleston is the person that came through and told him, he's like, are you enjoying it? Cause this is phenomenal, but it takes a lot. You are in the public eye. You're going to have to maintain composure in ways that you've never had to before. You're going to have to give of yourself a lot to people who are, you're never possibly going to meet. You're going to be a symbol for a lot of people out there. And that's a lot of pressure for anybody to wear on their shoulders. It is a tremendous weight for people as real people who are not just the characters we see on screen, but real people in real life. Um, and I think he's handling himself pretty well. I, I can understand getting worked up because it's like, you know, also making a movie is not like a frivolous thing. You give months of your life up. you got long, long days and call times and possibly reshoots. And then the promotional stuff that you have to do, Brandon, you know, like it's a lot of things. So I understand some of it, but I, I do intend it was probably just something clumsy um, coming from sports media stuff. Uh, some like broadcasters like Dan Patrick say all the time, like if you're on TV or on a microphone for four and a half hours, you're going to say something stupid at, at some point. You just you just are. You got to use fill time and you're not thinking about what you're saying. And then when you hear it played back to you, you're like, oh, my God, did I really say that? It's like, yep. In hour two in block A, you said that. And now it's all over Twitter. And you're like, <sighs> so 
it's just a, a lesson, I guess, for everybody to be a little bit more careful about the words they select and the way that they come across when they say things, right? So Yeah, I usually don't need four hours. I usually need about two <laughs> minutes and I say something that I regret. <laughs> I feel you. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it, 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 those are all, I think everybody made really good points. Um, I, I, I just want, I, I'm rooting for Simu, for Destin, for Aquafina, for... Manger Zhang for everybody involved with this film for Tony Leung. I mean, they, they really clearly like when you see it, I, I just genuinely think you'll, you'll, you'll see how much pride went into it and what I think it deserves. Uh, it deserves to, they deserve to be proud of it. So um, I don't know. I wish there was a way for people to just tune out the negativity, but uh, it's a lot easier said than done. And I, w- I, I more so wish that the negativity would just stop. Like if you don't like the movie, that's one thing, but uh, you, you know, being mad that it exists. I just don't, so, I don't get people who get so just centered on that negativity. Like, I just feel so like, go watch something you like. I don't get it. I, I never understand people who have time to drop by and leave negative comments on Twitter or TikTok or Instagram or any of that thing. Just go, just go do something that you enjoy. You'll be way happier as a result. I promise. Just, I mean, like I, I, I tweeted about liking the movie. Like I tweeted my reaction and somebody responds who doesn't follow me, who probably saw it from a retweet from somebody they follow. And they respond like, I couldn't care less about this movie. I'll wait for it to be at home. And then maybe I'll watch it. Probably not even then. And I just responded. Like, I don't usually respond. To negativity. I literally responded and wrote, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, who cares? And so Simu liked the tweet and the person deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> and so like some like the okay and then the person's lead. it's just like but why i just don't understand the, the the need to spread your like negative yeah. perspective everybody wants to rain on the parade everybody wants to feel important guess what your negativity you're not important you're just a like shut up <laughs> like quit being so negative just for the sake of being negative uh if you don't like something that's fine to share not liking something but just being negative for the sake of being negative you're like there's no need for that well and also uh, and we're gonna I move think- on I think it's important to own your opinion, right? If you don't like something, just say, in my opinion, you know, it wasn't for me. That's okay. But, you know, uh, if other people enjoyed it, not trying to rain on their parade, no big deal. But, yeah, I don't, whatever. Yeah. Here we are. We'll just teach the whole internet, BD. We'll just, we'll just show them how it's done. <laughs> one, one, one foul language comment on face here all the time. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about a, a movie being delayed. Yeah, so speaking of the ever-evolving box office and the fact that we don't know really how movies are going to get released in the near future, we talked about it last week about Venom getting delayed internationally, and now it has been delayed domestically. It has been delayed to October 15th. So for now, that is the date that this movie is coming out. We'll still see with Delta and everything, even if it makes that date. So what does everyone else think about this? Because I feel like it was kind of inevitable. I feel like the the it's not that big of a release date delay so it's only by a couple weeks so right now it's not a huge deal but the bigger the bigger concern is that that it gets delayed like till 2022 right like that's gonna then then we're really gonna see some some shifting of uh of movies around and you know whatever secrets are in venom let there be carnage why ever you know that I don't know. Right now, right now, the, the release date to me is not a big deal because it's only by a few weeks. But it's you know, if they have to push it back again, it's going to be bad. I also kind of wonder, like, what does a few weeks do? 
Like what, like what, I I mean, maybe there's some miracle where numbers drop down dramatically in those three weeks and people suddenly feel safe. But then at the same time, you are now competing with Halloween kills. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know what those three weeks do. It's giving me more flashbacks to like March, 2020 and like March and April, 2020 of like, let's just delay this like a week, a couple weeks. Let's just keep progressively trying to push this back. And then it's like, oh no, we have to delay this stuff like a year, a year and a half out because this is not feasible. So I feel like we're almost at that point again, where I could see Venom getting delayed like three more times if it needs to. So yeah, the Venom release dates are a lot like me and the dentist. (laughs) I just keep rescheduling. (laughs) <laughs> oh this is chris go home go home hey, richard we need you to mute chris's mic for the rest of the show he's 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 physical reactions only i'm sorry i'm sorry i'll shut up <laughs> i'm just i just hope spider-man doesn't get delayed man that's all i mean um like today earlier today universal dropped fast 10 to 2023 i want to yep. say so they just don't play. They don't do this whole two week thing. They did it one time for Fast Nine. They're like, we'll see y'all next year. <laughs> so I hope that the rest of these companies don't take their thing because we won't see Spider-Man to like 24 if if we start doing stuff like that. And Lord forbid. Um, so hopefully it comes out. I, I I still don't know what you're what you hope to accomplish kicking things down two weeks and three weeks because most of the Twitter interaction I get is people being like, "This movie's come. When does this movie come out? Like, is Shang Chi out today? Like, what? They no one knows when anything is out anymore because the release dates keep getting pushed further, and further back." Yeah, yeah. I see uh, a comment here. They're asking why I'm why I want to silence Chris. Is it because he's funnier than me? Listen, when you got to put comedy in your name to tell people you're funny, you know. Oh, it's true. It's true. I, uh, I, I own that. I want people to be upfront. Like this is how you're supposed to take it. <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm just messing. Uh, Chris is funny. I've seen Chris do stand up, and I cried laughing. If you're if 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 the world ever goes back to normal and Chris Killian is doing stand up again, highly recommend attending one of those shows. Not for the faint of heart. <laughs> no, I'm like I'm like the Bob Saget of nerds. Like you think that I'm all nice and endearing and then you go watch my stand up and it's just so vulgar. It only took 30 (laughs) minutes, Chris. It only took 30 minutes. Wow. (laughs) All right. uh, We're going to move on. Actually, Chris, I want you to tee up this next story. All right. All right. So I don't know if you guys have heard yet or not. I'm just kidding. We've all heard this, but uh, it seems that Spider-Man No Way Home Trumor is reportedly rumored to be appearing next week at CinemaCon, and they are only going to release it at CinemaCon. I know, this is the first time you've heard it. and um, But it's not going to be released online. And do you believe that to be factual, or or is that just uh, BS? I'm going to release it online. I'm going to record that video. I'm going to drop no not, no. not a no. chance. <laughs> not, no. I, I, there's, there's no way... There's no way in hell that Disney actually believes they can show the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer to a few select hundred people and it's not going to leak online. I don't I mean, people could be in there naked, right? (laughs) You could they you could have to strip completely naked to make sure you don't have any devices like that's how you're going to get to watch this trailer. And there will be somebody who prison styled a phone. Uh, You know what I'm saying? Like they prison styled that thing. To record this trailer and leak it online, it's not happening. Here's the thing: Disney doesn't. Disney, it's a staring a Sony panel. 
So Sony, if anybody does believe it could get released, it's Sony because they probably thought the toys were safe too. (laughs) So here we are. The one thing I hate about this is not the possibility of it leaking, but it's the possibility of fans passing off their own fan made leaks as the actual leak. Because I know we've had this with Spider-Man a million times. I remember like, here's a post credit scene in Age of Ultron that sets up Spider-Man and it was just somebody made it in Blender on their computer. And like, I know there have already been so many fake posters and fake like screen grabs from this movie that people have made and posted online. And so I'm already dreading like the fan edits that someone records on their TV at a Dutch angle. So it looks like they're watching it on a big screen and trying to pass it off as the trailer leak. Like I know that's eventually going to happen and it's just going to make the hype around this movie, like even more confusing. It's like, here's the thing though, this, this presentation, I'm going to be there. So if the trailer comes out, I will have a description on, on our site and on Twitter and on the, on the show next week. But it's, it's, there's a small section of press where we sit up in the second tier of the Caesars Palace Coliseum. And then the bottom, the whole bottom, which has to be hundreds of people, and like the rest of the second tier is movie theater owners. And that means AMC and Regal and, you know, corporate people, but also like Bill and Ted's little joint up the street, like who just don't care if they piss off Sony by by filming this trailer. There are theater owners who bring their kids. There are theater owners who bring a date. They're in Vegas for a week. There are a lot of people in there who do not care if they piss off Sony by filming this trailer. So Sony, show the trailer. That's all I'm saying. That, all that to say, show the trailer, and uh, we promise we will retweet it if it leaks online. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard. We'll see, though. I think I think we'll see it. I also think we'll see it. It's a three-hour panel. Not going to be surprised if we see Venom, like, the whole thing. Like, what else can Sony do for three hours? I'm not trying to watch Hotel Transylvania 4, which just went to Amazon with a bunch of theater owners. Anyway, we're going to take a quick one-minute break. We come back, we're going to talk about a Secret Wars movie, Eternals release, Fate, and What If, episode two with Chadwick Boseman's T'Challa Star-Lord. See you in a, in a bit here. Welcome back to Phase Zero, episode 32. If you're just joining us, you're going to have to download this thing in podcast form because we've run through the Shang-Chi premiere reactions, the experiment comment by Disney CEO Bob Chapek and the reactions and the ripple effect. Venom being delayed and the Spider-Man trailer dropping as soon as Monday. We will have it all covered for you. And this show is, is not slowing down. Aaron, Aaron, what's going on with the next big Marvel Studios event film? Oh, boy. So it seems like we got a Secret <laughs> Wars event movie on the way. If uh, former editor-in-charge of Marvel and 1984-85 Secret Wars writer Jim Shooter is to be believed, um, he was at a panel at Megacon in Orlando, and apparently he was approached by Marvel to write um, a new Secret Wars title or something of the sort. And then when he looked at his at the actual contract and the things that were written in it, there was language indicating that there would be rights to make a movie out of it. And then, of course, when he saw that, he was like, oh, I'm not signing this. Like, I want to negotiate this more than just, you know, it being a throwaway line and like a two page contract. So uh, senior vice president of operations and procurement at publishing at Marvel Entertainment, David Bogart, actually like personally called him and was like, yo, I'm sorry about that. Can we do this work for hire thing instead um, with a little bit of better of a rate? 
only about $10,000. And then of course, shooters like, well, does this mean there's going to be a movie? And he's like, I can't. And then the guy, you know, the guy in charge is like, I can't tell you that. And then shooters like, so that's yes. Right. So it would seem as though at some point in the near future, maybe not too near future, but at some point before we're done with this next couple phases of Marvel, we will get the secret wars movie that everybody wants I don't think any of us thought this would be the way that we found out about a Secret Wars movie at all. Although, to be fair, I know BD and you guys, like, we joke around about this all the time. The Russos will not, they do not stop talking about Secret Wars. They just love mm-hmm. talking about the prospect of Secret Wars. So, yet another thing that we're just all going to have to put in the background of our mind or put it in the vault like an adventure time and save it for later because that's probably not going to come out for a couple of years, but at least they're thinking about it, I suppose. Yeah. I, I think that um, in the grand scheme of like large Marvel stories, I I don't know that you can get much bigger than, than infinity war and Endgame with, you know, other than a secret wars. Like that's about the only thing that I can think of. That's like, if you're going to go bigger and you're going to do more like secret wars is probably the way to go unless they just actually follow James Gunn's advice and do Marvel versus DC. Like that's, and that's, that's the peak of the mountain right there. You can't really get any bigger than that. So, so I think a secret wars movie is probably inevitable in the grand scheme of things. I agree, but I just think it's really far away. It's very, yeah, very Absolutely. far away, but, but it, it is inevitable. Yeah, yeah, I like, think we I have know, to yeah, go ahead. We've we've talked about it like during the Loki season and just whether or not it was an inevitability. It definitely is. It's just there are so many other elements that we need to introduce in order for that to really feel earned. It's like I I love Infinity War, I love Endgame, but I wish that that event had had all of the various elements that it does in the comics. And so I think if they are really going to do Secret Wars, they're going to need like the X Men, the Fantastic Four, all of these other tenants of the universe, like really firmly established before we get this big event that destroys all of it i think that they're going to be more easily able to do that this time though jenna because disney plus and the shows did not exist beforehand absolutely you have the shows you have the fertile ground to seed all the weird what if style alternate realities that will make up a battle world or whatever easier than trying to make movies out of all that stuff because you couldn't back in the past you know i'm with you yeah i mean i think we have to get through a kang the conqueror event first and then I think that will spiral into more multiverse fallout, which will then culminate in Secret Wars. But I think it'll be a while. Um, as, now, as do, you, do you think our, we're? I got a question. Do you think we're going to get Secret Wars before or after they introduce X Men? After. I think after. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's. It, it, I, I think the X Men arrive in the next four years. Yep. And I think Secret Wars is like eight years from now, seven to eight years from now. I think that's realistic. I mean, you need so many characters for Secret Wars. You need, there's a chance it could come come faster than that. But I just, I, I see so much multiverse stuff having to be introduced first. And that takes, like the next three years is already full with that. So I think that phase four has to wrap up and then phase five or six will culminate in Secret Wars. Question, do you want the Russo brothers back? I was actually looking at this on Twitter the other day. And obviously the Russos want to do it. You know the Russos can do it. Uh, Marvel knows, you know, what they're going to get from him or from them. But, you know, do you want at that point, like the safe pick that already landed Infinity War and Endgame so well? Or do you want, you know, the new a new fresh take years down the line with somebody, uh, somebody new? Uh, I see. I think there's going to be a mixed reactions from the panel here. 
I think it's, oh, sorry. You you go go. ahead. No, 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 you go. (laughs) I I agree with you. I think it is very much a safe pick. Like, would I like to see the Russo Brothers Secret Wars movie? Absolutely. But I think we've already seen with what we've gotten in phase four that the MCU is expanding so much further beyond what it was in the Infinity Saga. So I would like to see another set of creatives really deal with a big event with where the MCU is going. Like, I feel like it would be a good like homecoming and it would be a good kind of throwback, but I feel like the franchise is going to be so much bigger by the time we get to that point that I would love to see somebody else take that on. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that it's like, uh, while I also agree that I would like to see some new faces come on and, and have an opportunity to take such a huge ensemble on. I, I mean, the Russos are, pretty tried and true, but also they have such passion for secret wars specifically that, I mean, again, they mention it all the time. I mean, they clearly want to come back and do secret wars, uh, that it'd be hard to top somebody who is probably as familiar with the secret war story or grew up on it the way the Russo brothers, uh, seemingly did. So. Well, what's interesting is that it's like, how do you do a secret wars movie based on the original secret wars that they would have grown up on? Like you got to do Hickman's. Mm-hmm. And kind of like we're all still growing up on that, right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, let's talk about the Eternals. <laughs> we didn't get Aaron's thoughts. I mean, <laughs> um, I, I so I think that if you wanted it to be like a big comforter of just like, oh, warmth, nostalgia (laughs) for when things were different and the first, you know, the Infinity Saga, you choose them. Because I, listen, I don't know if there's a place I can place the bets in Vegas right now. I'm sure some person was like, yeah, bro, I got it at 101 odds. Like, when they bring the 2000, was it 12 version of the Avengers out in Secret Wars, the theater is going to go insane. And I don't know if they're going to do it with the regular actors. I don't know if they're going to de-age them or whatever. We're talking about eight years in the future. That's going to be nuts. But the rest of the movie has to happen too. And if we're not just going to fold into like the past in that way. And I think Chris is really right because they they love love Secret Wars so much that it makes it hard to argue against them. But I, I could be persuaded to see what somebody else has in their toolkit for an event that size. If you wanted them to be involved in that way, if you split it into two, they can do one of the two halves and let another team try and take a crack at the at the second half. No, no, no. Wow. No, so I've seen that. I've seen that play out in another franchise and it went to the dumpster. You know what? That the funny thing I did oh, I was going to dance around this but I think we can get into it then. Like so the fact that they had this big multiverse meeting at Marvel before they ever even started filming Loki makes me think, oh, this, they're getting serious about this all needs to be planned out beforehand in ways that was just not there in phase one and two. It just did not exist. So would that change how you approached it? If there is a like a series or an MCU Bible that exists somewhere in Kevin Feige's house with laser beams, garden and sharks? <laughs> Listen, you got to have a story through that 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 the directors were on the same page with, and I think part of what made Infinity War and Endgame so cohesive was the fact that they were just kind of made at the same time, and you were able to get small pieces of Endgame during Infinity War and small pieces of uh, Infinity War during Endgame production as needed because you had the productions 
under the being the, the ship was being steered by the same people, both ships. So I think it's important to uh, have the same kind of vision for that, unless they are two drastically different movies that are very far apart. Like if you have Secret Wars Part One and then a two year gap with five movies and a hundred Disney Plus episodes in between, sure we can maybe switch it up, but. Listen, a year between Infinity War and Endgame was already the most grueling year until 2020. So uh, I, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can switch that up after Star Wars. <laughs> I think that the key thing with the whole Star Wars thing is that they did not have it all mapped out, and then they tried to pivot mid time. And I don't know about you, Brandon Davis, but if I'm the triple threat position and I go up for a jump <laughs> shot, and then I get halfway up, and I'm like, oh no, I'm going to get blocked. Let me throw a wild errant pass to some guy who happened to be open. It's like your chances of being victorious or something good happening is bad. LeBron's kid isn't going to be like, hey, dad, I got you. Oof. Yay, we win. That's not going to happen, right? <laughs> Hi, all two people who've seen Space Jam New Legacy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think I, I, I agree with you. It would be nice to get the through line, but I do think that there is a need probably for someone else to get a chance at, even if they would be good. They can be in the room. They can help write it. They can help give notes and pointers and stuff when they inevitably reference a weird timeline created by the time heist. They can help with that part of it, but all of it, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We will Yes, this is a bigger debate. If y'all want to talk more about this, hit us up with your director suggestions on Twitter in the comment section, all that stuff. Uh, but we do have to move on because we are 45 minutes in and we haven't even gotten to what if yet. We have one more piece of news before we get to that. Yeah. So um, Kevin Feige was at the premiere for Shang-Chi and he was asked by Variety about the hybrid releases versus only theatrical releases and about how that fits with Eternals since that is a couple months away. And his quote was, I think a theater would be my preference and Chloe Zhao's preference. We will see where we go with it. Um, which I think again, ties into the interesting experiment all the, of it all with Shang-Chi of like, they're waiting to see what the box office is like right now and what it is going to be in a couple months as the Delta variant continues. So yeah, it looks like they're not completely ruling out it being on Disney plus, but we know Feige, we've had this discussion with the Black Widow lawsuit. It does not seem like he likes having these movies on Disney plus if he can help it. So what does everyone else think about that? Yeah, I think it's all going to land on how Shang-Chi performs. I mean, really it's going to be, I think it's going to be like, yeah, they don't want it on uh, Feige doesn't want it on Disney Plus, but if they make the same sort of box office that Black Widow made minus the 60 million they made on Disney Plus, um it's very possible that they're like, "Oh, nope, Disney Plus is the the way to go and that this is the this is the decision maker based on how Shang-Chi performs." Yeah, Shang-Chi's about to determine I think the future for a lot of films because Free Guy overperformed. So I, I we when the Suicide Squad kind of really didn't do well anywhere, we all went into red alert. Everything's gonna go away and be delayed. But then Free Guy came out, made more money at the box office than the Suicide Squad did in in, in those three days. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Um, I'm I'm, a, I'm very excited for people to see Shang Chi, and I hope they safely uh, enjoy it. And then we get the rest of the movies that we want to see this year. All right, moving on to what if uh, we're going to go around the room. Chris Killian, what did you think of today's episode? I loved it so much more than I liked the episode last week. I thought the pacing was way better. I thought it was really bittersweet to see Chadwick in the role. And I, 
is he on the phone right now? What's going on? <laughs> just, just keep going. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. No, uh, I, I thought it was better, and and I thought the cameos were a lot of fun, and I, I really enjoyed the fact that it wasn't just a parallel of one of the movies, like I felt like um, Captain Carter was last week. So I, I enjoyed it. Uh, what did you guys think? I, I agree completely. Like this, I was saying to my boyfriend, this shows the potential of what if as a show, because I, I loved the Captain Carter episode. I loved the throwback to Cap One, but I love the ability for this episode to do something completely new and different that I wasn't really expecting. I was genuinely surprised by the ensemble cast that joined T'Challa. I thought that that was like the most interesting aspect of the episode to me. I love the fact that he was able to reform Thanos. I think that's just very objectively cool. Um, and I just, it was just fun. It was enough of a throwback to Guardians and Black Panther and all of these other elements while still being something entirely unique. And also, I'm just obsessed with Nebula with hair. Like, she, <laughs> that was just amazing. Yeah, I, I didn't even know who that was at first. <laughs> I was like, who's that Who's that blue chick with hair? And then he said Nebula, and I was like, oh, snap, that's Nebula. Just the Veronica Lake, like, hair swoop just really made me very happy. So that was just very great. So, Aaron, what about you? Um, I don't know how you and Jim... I managed to keep all this under wraps there, uh, Brandon. You speak, of, I, you speak of the devil. And they're, I literally, I, did I say oh. the magic word? Wow, Brandon, Brandon taking phone calls live on the show. <laughs> I got to take control, I gotta take control of this huh? hot mess. Huh? You want to take control? Guess what? You want to know why I took that phone call? Because I got Kevin Feige tomorrow. Let's go. Ooh. Ooh. Let's go. Nice. We're talking to Feige tomorrow. <laughs> That is so exciting. I got my Nova audition. Oh, man. <laughs> that is exciting. I think the live reaction of me hearing you're going to talk to Feige tomorrow is now available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for that to be a gift. Uh, I, I, need, I need the Twitch chat to make a clip of that, please. Thank you. Yep. Uh, we need that. Oh, need that. I might need to. Change my flight. Uh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> you, you got to take a break, a breather. Are you going to be okay? Oof, I am. I am over the moon excited right now. I didn't think Foggy <laughs> was going to do any any press right now, and he is. So that's awesome. Uh, anyway, sorry, I was not able to listen to all the reactions, and I'm really sorry about that. We were in the middle kind of, of Aaron's reactions. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then Jim Viscardi crashed the show. Way to mess up the show, Jim. <laughs> At least I did it quietly. <laughs> Aaron, go. I'm so sorry for interrupting. Oh, please. It, it's fine. I just I just said, I don't know how you guys managed to keep all this like secret, like for the second episode, because you guys are like, yeah, it gets better as it goes along. And I'm sitting there like, OK, so what could this possibly be? And then I get to like, what is it like five, six minutes in? And it's like, whoa, hey, so we're just doing it. We're doing it. And that's before you even get to Howard the Duck. I'm like, oh, boy, it's <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, I mean, the. That's the biggest thing. Sorry, Trigger. That's the the biggest thing that when we talked about it, we talked about it last week, right? Like the the stuff that they've have shown in the trailers, I feel is all is is too much. But like the fact that they're able to do some of the things like they have done in this week's episode and coming up in next week's episode is is the stuff that makes the premise of this show better. Uh, and like, I know you're never going to have to show some stuff, but 
like the stuff that they do show, I feel takes a lot of the punch away from it. Like, like they showed so much of last week's episode and trailers and things like that, that, you know, yeah, you know, a lot of the surprises and whatever just didn't necessarily feel like surprises. But then when you throw something like Thanos, the Ravager in there, like that is, that is a cool, fun surprise that, that, you know, and then, you know, beefcake daddy collector is just like, <laughs> right. Like, Man, he's <laughs> using hard in this universe. <laughs> <laughs> like like those are that like that's what makes the concept of what if so much fun and and like and that this episode more so than in the other ones like this one didn't feel like them retelling guardians of the, the galaxy you know the, the first movie so like in the way that you know last week's episode felt like it was just a retelling of the first avenger and so so I, i'm excited to see what the other what the other episodes will bring like i think the, the i think the honestly the only other one that's probably going to let me down is the spider-man episode uh just knowing like just like we just know it's spider-man versus marvel zombies and i'm sure that there's going to be you know some aspect of it that's going to surprise me but that of the of all the episodes that right now is the one that i'm least excited to watch because i have no idea what the other episodes are yeah i cut you off chris <laughs> i didn't mean, I didn't mean to do that no 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 it's okay it's sort, of the, it's sort of the nature of the beast with these uh anthology shows is that right uh, you, you're gonna have hit or miss stories in there as well um two of the big things that i've noticed about like now that i've watched captain carter and this episode back to back like two things that i i feel is a problem for the show uh one is that i think they are trying to tell really big stories for 30 minute time frames that i think that's a little bit of an issue for me but the other thing is that i have now twice found myself invested in stories that they can't possibly tell like the first one i you know when when uh, Steve Rogers showed up with the uh, what did they call it the Hydra Stomper, mm-hmm. it made me like now I was like well what happened to Tony Stark if he didn't invent the Iron Man armor you know that that's a that's a thing that I'm probably never going to get answered and then uh, and then you're going to have uh, Star Lord and Ego destroy the world what that's just a nugget that he just dropped in I don't know that was like I then I I found myself wanting to see that story and so I. I was I thought that was kind of surprising. He's like, that's just a story for another day. And I was like, well, OK, <laughs> great uh, a story. I'll probably never get to see. <laughs> I think uh, I, I started to wonder, like, are these all happening in the same timeline? Like, did the Peggy Carter thing happen in this same world where the child became Star-Lord and then the Star-Lord st- or, and then the Peter Quill story becomes like the big bad of the whole show which i still think he might become him and ego might become the big bads but i don't think it's happening in the in the same timeline because i've seen the next episode and (laughs) i like well right i mean jim like you've seen the next episode too right like like there's there i don't think because chris brings up a good question but like what happened to tony stark and it's like well he he, he's we, we we see him in the next episode so yeah, like, I, I mean, know. like, yeah, I mean, like, and I think that's the. I mean, you you still you still get that stuff. There's always going to be those questions, but that like that's why, you know, that's why like the the even the what if line of comics, like you know, I think the ulti- the, the the only line of quote what if that was able to build a universe around itself was the ultimate universe, right? Like that was the, the only real one that they were able to kind of build up from scratch and ask these different questions, but all these other, what if, you know, books like just had their things and like, you saw things in the background and you were like, Oh, I want to know more about that, which inevitably sometimes became other, what if books. But like, I think that like, 
you have to kind of go with the flow a little bit there, but also too, um, the, the thing about this episode that I thought was really interesting was how true to T'Challa they were like in like in like this was without a, a you know without a shadow of a doubt this like T'Challa as a character is going to is is going to be like that and like and just to see like how that when he, his environment is different the the core idea of who T'Challa is stays the same uh which is which is really cool oh sorry really cool sorry i didn't mean we're gonna, we're gonna have to bleep that one out what are you on shang chi jim <laughs> no but no like the watcher has a line at the start of the episode that's like are you the product of your environment or like are you just always who you are as a person like i'm butchering that line but it's basically the extent of it so yeah i think that the fact that t'challa was still so true to his own character and like i just love the fact like i, I turned to my boyfriend five minutes into the episode and i was like this is proving that peter quill is useless like he is just not <laughs> like the the amount that T'Challa was able to accomplish and the ways that he was able to like make the Ravagers kind of be good guys as opposed to just kind of very like self-serving and the way that he was able to reform Thanos and do all of these different things. It's like that just comparing that to Peter Quill, just kind of riding through space, just enjoying the journey was like, wow, this is really different in in putting another person in this position. I got to argue with you there. I got to argue in the sense that you said Peter Quill is worthless in this universe that that uh, T'Challa got so much done. Let's not forget uh, Peter Quill just destroys the whole world. So didn't mean anything. So at least when Peter Quill is Star Lord, the end of the world doesn't happen. Wait, what? What? <laughs> That's Peter Quill. Okay. The so great say- irony of this episode was that Karath pointed out that Star Lord defeated Thanos. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Star yeah. Peter Quill Star Lord was quite literally the, the reason the that ego said ego goes and gets Peter Quill and it leads to the end of the world. That's what the Watcher said. So in that universe, for all the good T'Challa did, uh, you know, reforming Thanos, it ended with the end of the world by ego and Peter Quill. So by Peter Quill being Star Lord, at least it didn't end, you know, the world. Are you ta- you're, you're really taking up for Peter Quill right I now. I am. I'm taking up for Peter Quill. I'm taking up for Peter Quill. <laughs> uh, managed, I, he managed to do... Oh, but let's say the thing. That Dairy Queen thing, is that like... Very, <laughs> very, that's a, the product placement in the MCU is very is not something that we see very often. Well, no, that's like, the Guardians volume two. Yeah. No, I, under, I understand. But like... That I mean, seems really. Fun. What do you mean? That, like I've seen Gillette all over the MCU. Uh, sure, but I mean, like, like the, the outside, MCU. outside Wait, of so the you car see stuff. How many BMWs are in Shang Chi? Well, I, mean, outside, <laughs> like, I know that, like the cars are the, the cars in the MCU, and those car sponsorships are are staples, right? Like those go hand in hand, you know, uh, one uh, one after the other. But like I, like, I don't know. Like this one just felt so like in my face like the car stuff like okay cars drive by all the time and like you know you maybe you miss the the branding on there but like there's like big old dairy queen i'm like oh i never miss the branding on the audis (laughs) (laughs) i'm actually shocked they're even allowed to destroy the audis because a lot of those car contracts come with like people always have to wear a seatbelt and you can't have it dirty (laughs) i remember when kia had a deal with the walking dead and it was like they have to wear a seatbelt and it has to be clean it's like <laughs> so they killed that contract because it just didn't work for them. Also, they probably didn't need many more cars in The Walking Dead after the first couple seasons. Uh, anyway, 
Yeah, uh, I'm, I think that this episode was leaps and bounds better than the first episode. Not even close for me. And episode three is is my favorite of the first three. I haven't seen anything beyond that. I'm not going to say a word about the content or story of episode three. It's just no. by far my favorite because it is the most original story of them all so far, where episode one was very much a retelling of Captain America, the first Avenger with Peggy Carter in the captain role. And then it kind of branched out into an even crazier ending than the first cap did this like, you know, spins the two guardians movies pretty, pretty well. and adds its own story a lot more than the first episode did. And episode three is straight up. Like, I think it's like a wholly original story, not really comparing to others, just kind of with nods to moments. So I think that might be why I liked it so much. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This episode two was great, though. Like the heart at the end, it land. The episode episode two for me, when I was watching it the first time around, it was like, all right, this is much more entertaining. I'm having a lot more fun. This is, the jokes are landing much more than like the who ordered calamari uh, in yeah. the first episode. <laughs> I thought that the humor was much better timed, and the cameos, like not even cameos, the the characters, the surprises that it brought were much more rewarding, I thought. There was a lot more of that. I thought the voice cast did a great job. Josh Brolin is Thanos. I mean, I'll never not like something with Thanos in it, probably. Like, I just think he's perfect as Thanos. His voice is Thanos. And seeing Ravager Thanos was super fun. Jimon Hounsou had a lot of fun playing a silly version of Karath. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Michael Brooker as Yondu, great work. Uh, and, of course, Chadwick as T'Challa Star-Lord. Like, you're going to have an added kind of excitement and emotion just by watching this and listening to his voice and that comes through and then when it all lands at that ending the scene on the ship where Yondu is basically saying like you know you belong everywhere you know that's the kind of person you are that stays true to the child like you were saying uh and then it ends in Wakanda it was really like oh this is so bittersweet it's such a nice moment uh and it hurts and it not in a way that they didn't mean it to but it really uh I I thought the episode was just far better than episode one now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is there's still like three more episodes of Chadwick as T'Challa coming yep. up. Is that right? Yeah. Brad Winderbond. That's a comicbook.com phase zero exclusive. Um, but uh, yeah, I was in an interview with Brad Winderbaum and I was actually sh- I, I had to do like play it cool when he said that, because I asked, like, you know, <laughs> did you guys change anything after, you know, you like you guys had this episode with Chadwick and he passed away after this after he recorded this. But before it was finished. So did you guys change anything as a result of that? Did you keep it a hundred percent as it was? Um, did you want to do anything extra to kind of honor him? And he said, this wasn't his last episode. He has four episodes actually. And I was just like, oh, Whoa, that's, that's exciting. You know, that's big news. And I'm really excited to see where that goes. It's really interesting to know that there's that kind of through line. We know we're going to see more of captain Carter. Now we know we're going to see more of T'Challa star Lord. Uh, and I'm interested to see how they all come together and yeah so anyway um uh, i'm done rambling does anybody else have anything they want to talk about from this episode because we have crossed the hour mark i will just say i wish that they didn't put the cast in the intro of like putting the names at the bottom because it was like oh i see josh brolin's name oh i see carrie coon's name it's like i oh i see seth green like that kind of was like oh i could tell who was going to end up being in this episode and i almost wish they would save that for the very end because then it would make those surprises hit more like they still were excellent but it's like given i know that if the other episodes get much weirder i would love to not know that up at like at from the get-go mm-hmm yeah, that's I'm a with great you. Point. I'm with you. I, did, I don't know. There is 
a pretty good surprise in episode three that I don't know if the cast member is credited in the beginning. And if they are, it would be a big spoiler. So my advice is don't read the names in the beginning of the show. Because <laughs> that's a good point. Um, but yeah. So does anybody else want to talk about anything else about this episode? Because I have to go shoot a video about it as like an Easter eggs breakdown. So I'm Was anybody all... else as relieved as I was that we didn't have to see Yondu die again? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, James Gunn has killed Michael Brooker so many times. <laughs> so I was many waiting times. for it. I was like, oh, no, they're going to do it again. But they didn't. And I was really happy about it. Not yet. <laughs> they haven't killed him yet. There's still more episodes where they could kill. I mean, I am going to say Nebula. Who's going to say it? Who's going to admit it? <laughs> See, gonna admit it? You missed this while we were talking. Like while you were on the phone, I did bring up Nebula because Nebula with hair. I, I was obsessed with her in this episode. I thought she was great. So. I have a crush on her. I fully have a crush on her. <laughs> See, I had hoped Jamie would be on this episode because I figured it would just be the two of us just screaming about Nebula for like 10 minutes. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get, I, uh, you know, uh, n- not to discredit the voice actress um, who, uh, who I think was, um, uh, gray and I always forget her last name um, who, who I thought did a great job but it's it it was a little too Scarlett Johansson ish for me like it, it sounded a bit more like Black Widow uh, than, than than I'm used to with with Karen Gillan's like kind of deeper nebula voice um, but I thought but it was just it was really good did, isn't that Karen Gillan yeah, it's not Karen Gillan Karen. I don't think she did that I don't think she did that I think she did we may have to double check. If she did, then I'm totally wrong. And well, what the hell am I talking about? But I don't think she did. <laughs> She's credited on IMDb. Uh, Is she? Well, there yes. we go. What's this deeper Nebula voice you speak of? I didn't think it was Karen Gillan. If it, it wasn't was. Karen Gillan, I was going to be like, wow, I thought that person did a really good job of being Karen Gillan. If that's not them. <laughs> Chat's telling me it was Karen. Now I yeah, because I thought the only two sound alikes were Drax and the Collector. Like I yeah, thought I everybody had, else was just the same. Yeah, that was it. I could Jim tell Scardi that wasn't Batista as Drax, but I thought the voice actor did a really good job mimicking Batista. That was, that was actually really solid. Yeah, yeah it was Karen Gillan. It was, it was it was definitely Karen Gillan. Pulling it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's uh, quite a way to end the show today. I think we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, if you know, you know the drill, guys. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your support for our Phase Zero show. If you guys don't mind tweeting links to our podcast, you know it's a free retweet. From all of us, we love the support. We love growing this thing. And because of you, we just got that big interview tomorrow. Let's go. Uh, I'm talking to the cast of Shang-Chi on Friday. Maybe we'll save some of those interviews for the show next week. I do anticipate we will have some Shang-Chi guests live on the show closer to the release or the week after its release. You know how we like to break down the things with spoilers when we can for those deep dives. I think those are more fun than doing a half hour chat before the movie comes out and being like, so tell me about this thing you can't tell me about. (laughs) So uh, hopefully we can get some of those scheduled for September. I'm headed out to CinemaCon on Monday. Hopefully see that Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. I will give you the full breakdown of it if it is not released online, if you want to experience it for the first time in words and not visuals. And uh, I'll have a full CinemaCon coverage on comicbook.com and on the Phase Zero show. Well, I'll have to figure out if I can host the show live next week. I don't know if there's a CinemaCon panel during that. I haven't looked yes. into that yet, so we'll figure that out. No, it is. I promise you this. It, it will be Jenna's show before it is Jim's show. It All is right. Jim time. <laughs> <laughs> After what you just did, Jim, <laughs> put some respect on Karen Gillen's name. That's fair. That's fair. I That's accept fair. that. Uh, Aaron, any last words for today's show? We're going around the horn. 
Uh, really fun today, guys. Uh, I had a lot of fun joking around with all of you about all this stuff. It was really, really great. Um, so, spoiler alert, the last episode of What If is Paul Rudd making Baskin Robbins versus Peter Quill <laughs> making Dairy Queen for the fate of the universe. You heard it here first. There you go. Perfect. That would be that would be so fitting. Chris, any last words? Oh, uh, thank you for having me. And I will I'll bug you on Tuesday next week about next week's show. <laughs> all right. There might be an open slot. All right. Jenna, what you thinking about the sign off today? Um, just follow me on social media at Hey It's Jenna Lynn. And yeah, this was a very, very fun episode. You very much should follow Hey It's Jenna Lynn. She's a great follow. Jim Viscardi, last word. Moon Knight, Moon Knight number two out in comic shops now. Go pick it up. How much Don't are they paying you? <laughs> your boy is solid. Zero. Zero <laughs> payment. I just like good comics. And thank <laughs> God that we have a good Moon Knight comic. That's very important to me. <laughs> All right, y'all. I love y'all very much. Thank you so much for joining Phase Your Episode 32. Tweet those links, share your clips, all that fun stuff. It's a free retweet from all of us. And uh, if you want to talk more, hit us up on Twitter. All of our handles are on the screen. And, uh, you know, you can hit that at Phase Zero CB. It only follows accounts of people who host the show and our super fan, Layla. So that's our show. Thank you so much. See you in a week. <laughs>